If you want to fulfill God's dreams or your greatest dream for your life, it comes through the power of right associations. We have to choose who we associate with in life. And a lot of times we associate with the wrong crowd. We associate with the negative people. Right, welcome to Think Like a Champion, a podcast dedicated to helping you win in every way and enjoy every day. There's a lot to be said just about those two things, but I want to get right into our content in just a moment before we dive into it. I want to thank everyone who's written a review or shared this podcast on social media. Thanks for helping us expand our community of champions. That's what we're building here, a community of champions, and I can't do without you, so every post Every review really does make a difference in helping us reach more people. So thank you and keep on sharing. Now let's dive right in and pick up where we left off because we were talking about the power of vision. Remember, vision powers you through your pain. Vision powers you through boredom. Vision powers you through the different seasons in life. When you have a vision for your life, you can pretty much endure anything that comes because that vision carries you on. And we're going to get into part three of this power of vision, but I want to read a scripture in Habakkuk chapter two. In verse two, it says, then the Lord answered me and said, record the vision, write it down, write it on tablets. He said, write it down and make it plain, make it simple, make it easy to understand. The vision for your life does not have to be complicated. Life in and of itself is going to have some complications, but your vision doesn't have to be complicated. It says, write down the vision. So you got to write it down and make it plain, make it simple for the vision is yet for an appointed time. It hastens towards the goal. It will not fail. Listen, we're going to fail at times in life, but the vision will not fail. If you will write it down, and make it your aim, make it plain and make it your aim and get up every day thanking God that he's given you a vision for your life. And if there's a lack of clarity on what vision and what is your purpose in life, it can simply start with being the best version of yourself. A vision for your life can be making a life of, that is full of gratitude and happiness. It could be a vision to win a million people to Jesus before he, he returns. It could be a vision to have a great family that truly celebrates each other. There's different parts of life. There are different aspects of having a vision for your life, and a vision can take on whatever you want it to take on. It's what do you see? What do you see? What do you envision the kind of life that you want to experience? And what kind of vision, what, what do you see is the kind of life that God has for you? The Bible says that God's plan for you is for good and not for evil. In Jeremiah 29, 11, my plan for you is for good and not for evil, to give you a future and to give you a hope. To have a good plan, a good future, and a good hope, that's God's vision for your life. Now, we talked about three questions that have to be answered in order to bring your vision to pass. It will launch you into the highest vision, the greatest dreams of your life. And people call it different things. They can call it a dream. They can call it a vision. They can call it a goal. But this is what do you see your life looking like in the future? And in order to have the greatest future, you have to answer, we have to answer three questions. Number one, who do, who do we think we are, right? We must make war with, our, with those things that have stolen our identity. You must make war. Like, 
our battle is not with people. Our battle is with the things that have stolen our, our true identity and truly understanding who you are in Christ. Who do you think you are is question number one to fulfill your God-given vision, God-given purpose. Number one, who do you think you are? Confidence in who you are matters. Confidence in knowing who you are and knowing that you're more than a conqueror, knowing what God says about you, knowing that you're a son or a daughter of God, that this is how life is lived. This is how great things begin to happen. This is how you begin to achieve accomplishments that help you towards your vision or towards your goal in life is having confidence. Confidence causes you to have accomplishments. So we need to make war with the things that are stealing our identity. Make war with the question marks around who you are in Christ. Attack whatever low self-worth that you have, whatever low view you have of yourself, attack that because that's trying to steal your identity. Remember Ephesians 1.11, it is only in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. This is where we find out who we are and what we're living for in Christ. The second question we have to ask ourselves after who do we think we are, what are your habits? Discipline is the secret, not motivation. Even inspiration isn't enough to bring a vision to pass. Even uh, motivation is not enough to bring a vision to pass. You have to have habits. We must first make our habits and then, good or bad, our habits make us. Remember, we must first make our habits. You have to be the author of what your habits are going to be, what your routines are going to be in your life, what your daily boring life looks like. Listen, Jesus turned water into wine. That is a spectacular miracle. But how did he do it? It says that he told the people at the wedding, pour water into the water pots, pour water into the vessels. Water is boring. Water is tasteless. Water is just water, even though we need it to live, right? But water is just water. But Jesus took the common, ordinary thing of water, and he said, pour it into the vessels. And when it was filled, it turned into wine. They put the, you know, they put the ladle in there to grab the, to grab the wine out, and they saw it wasn't water anymore. They put water. It's boring going in, but it's glorious coming out. Habits are like that. Habits are our water. Uh, water is boring as it goes into us, but it, when it comes out of us, it turns into something great, something like wine, something magnificent. Habits are boring when you pour them into you, but what they produce, what your habits will produce is glorious. It's like wine. It's like something that is going to be full of taste and full of beauty and full of joy and full of... Uh, excitement. Listen, habits are boring, but when you commit to them and when you make them con a consistent part of your life, the water turns into wine. The water turns into wine. Habits, habits, habits. I tell my son, my youngest son all the time, and I used to tell my older sons too when they were younger, but your habits make you. Habits maketh the man. Habits, 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 habits. Boy, if we could just realize that our habits have so much control. We have control over what our habits are, but our habits have control over what our future is. So form the right habits. 
And then the third thing that we talked about is, or we didn't get to this one, but we'll get to it now. The third question is, what is your environment or who do you surround yourself with? This is so important if you want to fulfill God's vision for your life. If you want to fulfill God's dreams or your greatest dream for your life, it comes through the power of right associations. We have to choose who we associate with in life. And a lot of times we associate with the wrong crowd. We associate with the negative people. I want to show you something very powerful in the Bible. It's in 1 Samuel chapter 22, and it shows us the power of associations. Now, verse 1 says, David, therefore, when he had come to the cave, when he had escaped to the cave of Adullam, we'll talk about where he, who he was escaping from, where he, where he was escaping from, but notice what happens. It says, when his brothers and his father and the people in his father's house heard where he went, they went down there to him. So notice that David is escaping from one place. He's going to the cave of Adullam, He wasn't asking for these guys to come with him. But it says, when they heard where he went, everyone, verse 2, says everyone who was in distress and everyone who was in debt and everyone who was discontented came to him and gathered to him and he became captain over them and there were about 400 men in that group. Now I want you to see the condition of these men when they came to David. They came to David, they were what? They were in distress, they were discontented, and they were in debt. Distressed, in debt, and discontented. Now, David had already killed a lion. David had already killed uh, a giant. And these men knew that he was a lion killer. He was a giant killer. And they were not giant killers, and they were not lion killers. In fact, they were, they were in debt. He was out of debt because when he defeated Goliath, the king at the time who was Saul, he gave him riches, he gave him his daughter, he gave him you know, a life without taxes for the rest of his life. So he wasn't in debt, he was out of debt. These men came to him, they were in debt. They came to him, they were distressed. They came to him, they were discontented. And these men, became the mighty men of David. Why did they become the mighty men of David? Because they were so mighty? No, they became the mighty men of David. They became mighty men because they became like David because they surrounded themselves with him and made him their captain. And they said, you know what? What, It's working for you, so we're going to surround ourselves with you, and then it, it will start working for us as well. This is so important and powerful that we see the condition they came in. Now, we don't see it in the next verse, but over time we see it in, at the end of 1 Samuel, and second, the second book of Samuel. We see these men became giant killers. We see them, became, we, we see them become lion killers. We see them become mighty men. We see them conquer kingdoms. We see them overcome insurmountable odds. Why? Power of association. Who you surround yourself with matters. Now, let me read something to you. There's um, studies have been done. In fact, your friendships have 
studies show a major impact on not only your life, but your finances as well, your net worth as well. Now, this is, we're not talking about money here, but that was one of the things they came to him in debt, right? But there's something about who you surround yourself with that affects your money, the power of association, the power of proximity, other people have called it. Who, who are you in the proximity of? So this study was done um, by author Thomas Corley. He found that he studied the daily habits of wealthy people for five years. So it wasn't something they did once in a while. He studied their habits over a five-year period of time. And what he found that stood out among everything else is the one person that these wealthy people avoided at all costs was they avoided negative people. They avoided pessimists. They avoided people that were critical and negative. And when they avoided these people was a common trait in all of these wealthy people over a five-year period of time, it shows us the power of associations. These self-made millionaires were very particular. The people that he studied were very particular about who they associated with. So he writes in his book, Change Your Habits, Change Your Life, you are only as successful as those who you frequently associate with. A famous man said, whenever I get a good idea, he said, whenever I get a good idea, I incubate myself from negative thoughts and negative people immediately because I realize that you only need one negative comment to destroy a good idea. So he said, learn to keep the left brain editor out of things when in incubation of a great idea. Keep those negative forces out of your life. You'll only be as great as the people you surround yourself with. Now, there are exceptions to that, obviously. But after researching over 500 self-made millionaires, Napoleon Hill, the great author of Think and Grow Rich, also said the same thing. He said, men take on the nature of, men take on the nature and the habits of those who with they associate. He wrote this in 1937 in his bestseller, Think and Grow Rich. Men take on the nature and the habits and the power of thought of those with whom they associate. Choose the right associations. Now notice, David was already a lion slayer. In 1 Samuel chapter 22, when these men came to him, they were already lion slayers. But notice what happens because these men, David was already a lion slayer, but these men associated with him. And one of these men, his name was Benaiah. And I want to read to you this passage in 2 Samuel chapter 23. 2 Samuel chapter 23. And it describes this man, Benaiah. Now remember, Benaiah was one of these men that came to David in debt, distress, and discontented. And in 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 20, I got it now, hang in there. And Benaiah, the son of Jehadiah, the son of a valiant man of Kabza, who had done many acts, he slew two lion-like men of Moab and went down also 
and slew a lion in a pit on a snowy day. This guy went down into a pit. First, he killed lion-like enemies, men that were lion-like. But then it says he actually went down into a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion in that pit. Listen, this is a perfect example of how you become like the people you surround yourself with. We really, throughout, when we really think of Bible history, we think, when we think of somebody killing a lion, we think of David. You might think of Samson also, but we think of David killing a lion. We think of Samson killing a lion. We, we think of Daniel shutting the mouth of a lion, right? But we don't ever hear about this guy, Benaiah. He also became a lion killer. And when did he become that? After associating himself with David, the lion killer, the lion slayer. You, become, you slay what other people, you slay what the people that you surround yourself with slays. It's, it's really simple, the power of association. These 12 apostles, they started out as men that were fearful, men that were, uh, that were broke, men that were broke in. And they became Jesus' apostles. And they wrote the scriptures and they turned the world upside down. You see, you don't see eagles flying with buzzards. Um, if you lay down with dogs, you're going to get fleas. Listen, who you, who you surround yourself with is very powerful. Now I will say, one of the things that you have to be sure that the kind of people that you not surround yourself with are negative people, but also I want you to go back to 1 Samuel chapter 22, and it tells us that in verse 1, David departed from there and came to the cave of Adullam having escaped. Now, where did he escape from? This is really important. Where did David escape from? He escaped from Saul. Now, Saul was the king of Israel. He was the first king of Israel. But David was called by God to become the next king of Israel. But Saul became jealous of David when David killed Goliath and they started singing. First, Saul was like, who can help us defeat this giant? And then when David st st stood up and, and stepped up, he killed Goliath, the giant, and Saul was grateful and singing his praises. But then all the other people started singing David's praises, and that made Saul jealous. And so what Saul decided to do is an evil spirit came on that man, and he began to try to kill David. It's funny how the people that you at first celebrate you and praise you, they may be the very ones that are throwing spears at you. And that's what happened in 1 Samuel chapter 19, because I want to really encourage you, not only do we learn from these powerful testimonies that I've shared with you of business people and the power, more importantly, the powerful testimonies of the Bible, that surrounding yourself with negativity and negative people is going to make you negative. But David was running from Saul, not because David could not kill Saul. David was very capable of killing Saul. David was a better warrior than Saul. David was braver than Saul. David was more anointed than Saul. David was a powerful man, and he had learned to kill the lions, and he had learned to kill bears, and killing the giant became easy for him. 
because he had a covenant with God and he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Meaning this guy doesn't have a covenant with God and I do have a covenant with God. This was something David really understood, but Saul didn't understand it. Saul was insecure, he was an insecure leader. You have to decide, are you gonna be like Saul or like David? Well, who you surround yourself with is gonna determine that. But I want you to see that not only are we supposed to make sure we don't surround ourselves with negative people, don't surround yourself with people that are spear throwers. Watch what I'm talking about here. First Samuel chapter 19, I wrote it down so I can read it to you. It says in verse 10, Saul threw his spear at David and tried to pin him to the wall. He literally tried to kill him with a spear. And so David jumped out of the way, so the spear missed him and struck the wall. And that night, David ran away. Now, David was an accurate spear thrower, so he could have easily taken that spear out of the wall and thrown it back at Saul and killed him. But instead, he departed. In, in fact, it says he fled. He ran away. Why? Because David was a coward? No, because David chose two things. He chose, number one, he wasn't going to surround himself with spear throwers. Saul was a spear thrower. And number two, he wasn't going to be a spear thrower back. In other words, not only did he choose not to associate with Saul, and not be a spear thrower, but he chose that he wasn't going to be like him. He wasn't going to lower himself to that level. He wasn't going to try to take revenge. He could have easily taken revenge. In fact, in one place in Scripture later, when Saul was still trying to kill David, David found Saul when he was sleeping and quietly approached him in one of the other locations that Saul was still trying to kill David. And while Saul was sleeping, David cut off the edge of Saul's robe just so he had evidence so he could show Saul later that he could have killed him. And it was exactly what happened. He cut off the edge of his robe and showed him when he tried to kill David again. He said, look, I could have killed you. He said, but I wanted to respect you and I wanted to show you honor. And so I'm, I'm just going to get out of this. I'm getting out of the way here. I'm not going to try to kill you. I could have killed you. And the Bible says that even the fact that he cut off a, a piece of Saul's robe, it smote his own heart. He felt bad that he even did that. He had so much respect for the people that had gone before him, the Saul that had gone before him, even though Saul's character was flawed, deeply flawed, David still respected him. You know, we're going to see the flaws in our leader's character sometimes. And we're going to have an opportunity to cut off their robe. We're going to have an opportunity to expose them. We're going to have an opportunity to throw spears at them. We may even have people that have been leaders in our life that talk negative about us. In fact, somebody came to me in church the other day and said, I just want to apologize to you because I was listening to some, someone who was a former member of your church and they were saying all these things about you. And, and at first I tried to stop them and then I listened and I kind of sounded interesting. And I said, listen, first of all, thank you for apologizing. But secondly, whoever said things about me, I know about myself, far worse things than anything they might be saying. In other words, that people sometimes are right when they talk negatively about you, 
but that doesn't give them the right to talk negatively about you. And it doesn't give me the right to talk negatively about them. I think we have to realize that. And of course, I, I said that partially joking, but also we have to be humble enough to know that. And I even said to that person, look, whoever those people are, you don't have to tell me. But if you see them again, tell them I'm sorry. You know, tell them whatever, the, whatever it was that I did that hurt them, just tell them I'm sorry because I, don't, I, I know that I have a long way to go and I know that I've, I'm not where I used to be. I'm not where I want to be yet, but I'm not where I used to be. I'm grateful for that. And so we can all grow and we can all make progress. The point here is that David refused to remain in the presence of spear throwers. And, he ref and these men who were negative, they refused to stay that way. They surrounded themselves with David. They said, you know what? We're in debt. We're distressed. We're discontented. We're negative. We're mean. We're mad. We, we're making you our captain. And David reluctantly or joyfully became their captain and their whole lives changed. They became the mighty men of David. They became men who conquered kingdoms. They became men who became great warriors because of who they surrounded themselves with. This is the power of associations. Man, if we could only get a hold of this, that the right associations will keep you in the right direction. Who you surround yourself with matters. The Bible says that, um, that if you surround yourself around negative people, you're going to become like them. Bad company corrupts good beliefs. Bad company, bad people, bad attitudes corrupt even the good. You might have a good heart, but if you surround yourself with the bad company, with, with negati negativity, you take on that nature. Boy, if we could get a hold of choosing the right associations, surround yourself with people that are moving forward. Surround yourself with people that are going up. One place in the Bible talks about uh, Samuel told these, Samuel the prophet told um, these two men, he said, look, you're going to go, you're going to, in fact, I think he told, he saw this, he said, you're going to go up to this area of a hill where the Philistines are, and you're going to see men that are going up to God. He said, attach yourself to those men. Think about this for a moment. Samuel tells Saul, before Saul turns sour, he said, you're going to find men that are going up to God. Attach yourself to them. Listen, we all attach ourselves to some group of friends or church, leaders in business, whatever. We all attach ourselves to somebody. God clearly taught us and clearly teaches Saul you see these men going up to God, attach yourself to these men. Why? Because number one, they're going to meet with God. Number two, they're going up. They're not going down. You're going to meet people on their way down, and they're going to try to take you down with them. And you're going to meet people that are on their way up. Attach yourself to them. People that are moving forward in life. Not perfect people, because there's none of those but people that are going up to God. 
Choose the right associations. Deliver yourself. Choose to walk away from or do not associate with spear throwers. Choose to break away from those that are accusing others. This is what a spear thrower is. A spear thrower is someone who throws darts at others, someone who accuses others, someone that has to say something about other people to make themselves look good. Boy, you get a hold of this, and you're going to see God's great vision and God's great dream for you come to pass. I'm out of time for today. Choose the right associations because there is power in who you associate with. That's why the Bible says, get connected to a church, be planted in the house of God, get connected with people that are going up, not going down, not going sideways, not trashing other churches, trashing other leaders, trashing other people, trashing other business. You don't have to make somebody else's business look bad so that your business can look good. Just take care of your business. Take care of your business. You're going to see great things happen in your life. So in review, what do we do? Number one, in order to experience the power of vision, we, ask, we have to answer the question, who do we think we are? We've got to know who we are in Christ. Number two, what are our habits? We've got to identify our habits and make the right habits so the habits will make us. And number three, we have to ask ourselves, who are we associating with? Are we tapping into the power? We're always tapping into the power of association, but it's either positive or negative. Choose the positive. You do that and everything's going to be all right. Thanks for joining me on Think Like a Champion. You are a champion. I'm declaring it, prophesying it over you. Greater, your best days are your next days, and you are going to experience more victory than you've ever experienced in your life. Hey, share this with someone who needs to hear it. Subscribe to the podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. And thank you in advance to those of you who give, for those of you who donate to this nonprofit corporation, this nonprofit organization called Life Changers Church. You can go to lifechangerschurch.com slash give, and you can make a donation, and it's tax deductible, and you're helping us build this community of champions and creating this culture of champions for more and more people around the world. Until next time, keep thinking like a champion and everything is going to go your way because you're going God's way. Let's go up to God. God bless.